0: Welcome to These Are The Words, I'm Eric Grun and I'm finally able to get along and on to the next section of Chapter 11, The Rise of Jewish Terrorism. This has been a heavy chapter for me, so I'm taking my time with it. I took a little detour the last episode, and I'll pick up again. Where we left off on this episode. The Violent take the kingdom by force. Let's see if I can find a little bit of music here. interruption (laughs) we only want music here folks no advertisements so let me tell you a story actually (laughs) okay God's kingdom ministries the struggle for the birthright the violent take the kingdom by force We have shown from the prophet Jeremiah that there were and still are two types of figs from the fig tree of Judah. Two types of figs from the fig tree of Judah. There are good figs and evil figs. The good figs are those that peaceably submit to the judgment of God. And there are those who would rather fight and die. Jeremiah 24 through 30. This was true in Jeremiah's day, and it was again true in Jesus' day. Jesus said of these people in Matthew 11-12 and from the days of John the Baptist until now. The Kingdom of Heaven suffers violence, and violent men take it by force. Jesus denounced the Jewish belief that the Kingdom of God must be taken by violence and force. Forty years later, God brought judgment and captivity upon Judah, this time at the hand of Rome. It was all for the same reasons that we find in the writings of Jeremiah six centuries earlier. One would think that the people would have learned, since they claimed to believe the writings of Moses and the prophets. Next chapter, Chapter 12, The Israeli State By the spring of 1947, the British government saw that its presence in Palestine was untenable. The work of the Jewish terrorists had become too successful. It should be noted that it was not Arab terrorism that caused the British to leave Palestine. It was the work of the Jewish terrorists, most notably Menachem Begin. And Yitzhak Shamir. The British government gave the Palestinian problem into the hands of the newly formed United Nations, which debated the resolution from November 21st to 29th, 1947. The Arab states objected that the Jews would be given any land at all in a partition state. But this objection was not feasible since there were, by this time, hundreds of thousands of Jews already living along the coast of Palestine and could hardly be expelled at this point. It was well known that immigration and settlement itself was the most effective means of winning a war. It is difficult to displace that many people who are already living in an area. For this reason... Zionism fought fiercely to bring more Jewish settlers to Palestine. For this reason, Zionist leaders were even willing to sacrifice hundreds of lowly Jews for the quote-unquote greater good of securing the land. When the UN passed the resolution partitioning the land of Palestine, the conflict escalated. Both sides began a battle to obtain more land. Arabs attacked Jewish settlers, and Jewish settlers began to destroy Arab villages and drive out their citizens. One such example was Deir Yassin, whose story we told in Chapter 11. As of today, about 400 Arab villages have been destroyed, and many of the survivors still live in refugee camps. The British troops finally left Palestine on May 13, 1948, and the Jewish agency leaders, led by Ben Gurion, immediately declared a Jewish state. The neighboring Arab countries then declared war. In the attempt to end the fighting, the UN sent as its official mediator Count Falk Bernadotte, the nephew of the Swedish king, he was also the head of the Swedish Red Cross. The Assassination of Count Folk Bernadette Bernadotte On September 17, 1948 Bernadotte and his aide Colonel Andre Pierre Serot were assassinated in Jerusalem for advocating the UN plan to partition Palestine and internationalize Jerusalem. Yitzhak Shamir, the head of Lehi Stern gang, justified this terrorist assassination on the grounds that the UN policy represented a disaster. On page 75 of his book, Summing up, he wrote, The Bernadotte plan was a development that would have opened the way without question to putting an end to the Jewish state within weeks of its birth. Leahy took no responsibility for the deed. The idea was conceived in Jerusalem by Leahy members operating there more or less independently. The assassination was attributed to a splinter group The Fatherland Front, Israel's provisional government, acted quickly. It declared Lehi illegal, arrested all the members it could find, and broke up the Jerusalem units. For a while it both prosecuted and persecuted us. Gera was imprisoned. El Dad and I went into hiding, outlaws again, back in the underground, but determined not to fight the state of Israel. Shamir does not say specifically who was guilty of Bernadotte's assassination, but Alfred Lillenthal writes on page 360 of his book, The Zionist Connection II, about three men who were responsible for this act of terrorism. During a February 1977 press conference marking the publication in Israel of a new book on David Ben-Gurion, the Secret Life of Heinrich Rohm, the late Prime Minister, had the names of the three who had carried out the assassination. One of them, Yehoshua Zeitler, was one of Ben Gurion's best friends. Zeitler explained that we executed Bernadotte because he was a one-man institution who endangered the status of Jerusalem by his declared intention of turning her into an international city. The decision to kill Count Bernadotte had been taken by three stern gang leaders, Nathan Yelin Moore, Dr. Israel Eldad Sheb, and Zeitler, commander of activities in Jerusalem and an immediate friend of the first prime minister. At the time, however, the new Israeli government did not know who had actually committed this murder. They did question Shamir in 1948, however, after he had arranged to negotiate with Shaul Avigur, the deputy minister of defense. For a general amnesty. Avigur wanted to know for the record who was responsible. But Shamir refused to reveal their names. Page 75-76 summing up. Soon the assassins that had been arrested were freed. After some negotiations. Quote. Ben Gurion cut through the tangle to proclaim a general amnesty and the provisional government passed a special law so that all Lehi and Irgun members be released, including those already sentenced, page 76. Later on, an order was issued which put an end to such judgments by decreeing the destruction of the dossiers of all dissidents and instructing government offices to treat them like everyone else, page 77. Perhaps the Israeli government was afraid of the Jewish terrorists among them, or Ben Gurion discovered that his friend, Zeitler, was one of the murderers. Whatever the reason, the government decided to assimilate the Lehi and Irgun terrorists into the mainstream of Israeli police rather than prosecute them for their murderous acts throughout the 1940s. In so doing, They paved the way for the day when these same terrorists, led by Menachem Begin, would form the Likud Party in 1975 and ultimately take over the Israeli government itself. Okay, I'm going to finish chapter 12. Um, I'll pick up next time, Zionist Persecution of Iraqi Jews. I'm going to finish chapter 12, and then I'm going to start another book. Um, It's five more chapters in this book. But if you want to read it for yourself, you have to go to godskingdom.org and find it on the website God's Kingdom Ministries The Struggle for the Birthright but I've read so many chapters of this book and then uh, I just want to move on (laughs) alright thanks for listening enjoy the music Until next time, God bless and good night.